Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and this week we talk about two big-budget, though low-rated films, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, and Baywatch. I'm snickering already. And a sneak peek <laughs> at some of the Texas movies we'll be toasting at our upcoming Wine and Film event in Waxahachie, Texas. Now I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Kogel, wearing my spirits hat once again this week for a pairing that includes Pirate and Patron. And we'll have a few Memorial Day wine suggestions later in the show. But first, Gary, let's talk about pirates. Okay, I went to the movie. You did not. I did not. I and sadly, you, sadly missed. And, you, <laughs> and you're 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 not into the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Not my thing. Yes. So let me let me backtrack a little bit. Um, this is number five in the pirate series. <laughs> the first two are really good films, okay. and then they just dropped off the planet. But what's interesting about the Pirates of the Caribbean movies is that two of the first four films are two of the top 20 highest-grossing movies of all time. Wow. Well, they had to be big. They have their own ride in Disneyland. Well, they're huge, and they are. They're big, darn Disney movies. And, of course, Johnny Depp acts—how does he act in these films? He acts like he's drunk half the time. We don't know his gender half the time. <laughs> That's okay. I don't care about that. But he's he's kind of an oddball in these films. And then the two, three and four were just unwatchably awful films. And everybody went because they, they build this model that makes everybody, you know, wait for it, wait for it. And then everybody gets disappointed, but they still buy a ticket. Now, this one is actually, I didn't hate it. And actually, it's it really stars Javier Bardem. Right. And he's and Jeffrey Rush, right? And Jeffrey Rush is in all of them. Yeah. Yes, he's a main character. Yeah, in it. And, but I love him. And I love Jeffrey Rush. And Jeffrey Rush is great. And Johnny mm-hmm. Depp's very good in it. He's once again odd. He's kind of the odd man out in this one. And then it's got two younger characters in it. And then it's also got a little reunion with you know Kira Knightley and nice. Orlando Bloom. It's very small and very tiny. It's not really a big part of the film. But Javier Bardem nails this, and he is. I, I, I'm not sure how they did it. He's part. He's mostly Javier Bardem, but there's a lot of weird CGI stuff going on with his hair. He's dead. You know, he's he's a dead pirate. Ooh, and he's chasing. He's in a dead ship with a whole bunch of dead people, and their bodies are all dismembered, and they're chasing you, and they sprint. They're. It's kind of like. It's kind of like Walking Dead. Is it? Is it zombie? Is it zombie pirates? Very zombie s pirates, <laughs> and uh, and it's a huge movie. And you know these these Bruckheimer films are just huge, and and I kind of enjoyed it because Javier Bardem is so, so darn good. good. And so it's a step up from three and four, 
Not as good as one and two, but it's a step up from that. And I, I think this film's going to probably go through the roof because people are going to actually enjoy it. And we're going to bite our lip as an audience and say, oh, another Pirates movie. But if you've got an eight, nine, or ten-year-old, mm-hmm. they're chomping at the bit to yeah. go to this stuff. Yeah. Uh, we can't say that about Baywatch in the next segment. No. But we can no. say it about the Pirates movies. And so when I went and saw it at an advanced screening, there were 30 people dressed as pirates. I mean, <laughs> can we not take me, this into the Star Wars realm? <laughs> this is not Star Trek or Star Wars. I don't think this is a dress-up pirate movie, and they did all the bad pirate jokes from the audience. And But you know what? I, I kind of I'm, – I'm not a fan. Is it an A movie? No. Is it a B? Yes. It's probably a B if I'm doing A, B, nice. C, and D. Nice. B, B minus. So it's not necessarily a low rated. That's that's a good. That's a pretty decent rating from you. Yeah. For for this, maybe it was just the Baywatch. That well, threw me maybe off. because the bar is so low. <laughs> yeah, well. The bar is so low, and it, the, the, I think the bar is low on Pirates of the Caribbean movies too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they become such big spectacles with no depth, and now all of a sudden you have. Something that's kind of creepy and kind of interesting, and uh, I don't know about you, but Javier Bardem can almost do no wrong for me. I love him. I mean, he, I he can make a bad movie look really good. Well, and I love that because we know that he and his beautiful bride yeah. have Penelope Cruz, have have lovely children. And so this is something that, you know, he, he makes some kind of feisty films also. So he does. this is something that his kids can go see, which I always kind of appreciate. That I appreciate when an, that an actor too. kind of takes that, you know, thinks about their projects and making sure that their kids could actually go and enjoy them. And we know this about them, that when he makes a film, she travels with the yeah. kids with him. And yeah. when she makes a film, he travels with the kids for her. Yeah. So um, I, I have a lot of respect for him. Mm-hmm. But I can't take my eyes off of him in this movie because there's a whole bunch of creepy stuff going on <laughs> with his hair and his face nice. and his body. And, and he kind of gurgles like he's dead half the time when he talks. And I don't know where that's coming from. I like it. Way down under. So it's a pirate movie. Okay. Yes. So, so what's the main sound that a pirate makes? Uh, the main sound that a pirate makes? Yes. Arr. Arr. Okay, because we are going to actually pair this uh, film with a spirit. But as you made that sound earlier, yes. it reminded me of the perfect wine pairing. If I was going to pair this film with a wine instead of a spirit, but I'm pairing with a spirit. But if Let's you did want to have a wine pairing, and I remember this from when I did my psalm training, that... There is a region in Germany that Pinot Noir is grown, and it's not a common variety at all for Germany. And you know what it's called? What? Seriously. (laughs) That's the only I remember. Like, that was my little little cute. It's called R. It's A-R-H. But the way, you know, when you're you're tested on this stuff, what I had to remember was, oh, it's that German place where all the pirates are. Oh. So So it's an R wine. So if you can find a German Pinot Noir from R, it would be a great pairing, but that I would be R rated. I but I think uh, pairing with a pirate rum, pirate rum is actually the perfect pairing for this film, yes. and it's P Y R A T. Um, started in 1996. It's part of the Patron family. I um, mean, it's actually from from rums that are produced throughout the Car- the Caribbean, and so they um, they have one kind of central bottling plant in. Anguilla, 
Mm-hmm. And but it's it's rums from all over, which I actually think is kind of an interesting um, take it's a on blend. it. It's a blend of rums, and and so you do get kind of different characteristics that the different islands throughout the Caribbean can can wow. offer, which I think is kind of an interesting take on it. Um, aged in both French oak as well as American oak, which is also not as common. Usually, it's or sometimes it can be just American oak um, for you know X period of time, depending upon what what style it is. There's one in particular, it's the Pirate Exo Reserve that that I really enjoy. It's very, very rich. Um, lots of kind of caramel notes, lots of kind of spice notes and orange, uh, you know, kind of like that orange rind, car- caramelized orange notes. I think it's really good. And also in kind of, if you like an aged spirit, which I do a lot, both of us do, yeah. um, maybe you want something, I think rums, aged rums are always nice and smooth. They don't really have the bite that some, um, maybe like a scotch or a bourbon or something like that can have. They're always nice and smooth because they're ba- made basically from sugar cane. And um, they're also usually relatively a affordable in the whole grand scheme of, of an aged yes. uh, barrel-aged spirit. So like a 15-year-old rum? Yes. Yeah. So like this this EXO reserve is aged 15 years and oh, it's it $35. Is. Okay. Yeah. So All right. And really is, good. Is it pretty high proof? It's... <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually not as high as, as some. So, so what's a high proof rum? Well, I mean, you can you can have there are some bourbons that are hundred proof. You know, Everclear is a hundred proof. So, but it's it's eighty, so it's like forty percent alcohol. Okay, I've had hundred proof whiskeys yes. before. I yeah. can't. I can barely even drink it. Well, I think it's more something that you sip or that right. you hide. Hence. The Everclear that you yeah. usually, you know, when Everclear. I was in college, we just mixed it with Kool-Aid and called that sounds it like a bad trash hurricane. can punch. Trash can punch. Yes. So, so Patron, when you say this is a fam- uh, part of the Patron family, I say I think of Patron, I think of only tequila. Right. But they're, they... Th- that they family. have other brands that are a part of it. Their their owner, you know, is 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 oh my gosh, Paul Paul Mitchell mm-hmm. is is one of the owners. So they have That's right. they Paul also Mitchell have salons. yeah. So they also um, have a racing team. They have lots of different brands, but within their spirits portfolio, they actually own Ultimate Vodka, Pirate Rum, and and of course Patron being their their biggest baby. Okay, the big, I have another big. So when I think of vodkas, yes. um, there's so many flavored vodkas. Are there flavored rums? You don't flavor rum except with the barrel the aging. Barrel yes, just yeah. like you don't flavor. You're not going to do a lemon rum. I sure as heck hope no. not. No, and I think but the when reason you said that weren't or there's you, you hints, can hint up, yeah. and that's just because of the spiciness and the toast on the barrel and the kind of, of barrel that you use. Again, you'll probably get some vanilla notes and coconut notes, especially from the American barrel side, as well as as kind of the spiciness and the the toffee and the caramel that you would get from from the French side. And and it's just really from the the barrel. I think that you could we see so many flavored vodkas because vodka is such a neutral spirit kind of to begin with that it can take on different flavors really easily mm. versus a rum where you kind of just want to celebrate the the flavor. You, you do have coconut rum though, and you know what? We do yeah. have pineapple rum. Yeah, but that's two. But I'm do not you have cherry. Saying, no, there's no. not a lot. No. Is there a La La Land rum? And you have spiced rum. You know, we certainly have a lot of spiced rum. So I guess That's you true. do have, but I don't really consider them to be as much like, I think so many of the flavored vodkas that have been produced are so cloying and and weighty. And, you They're know, getting really tricked out. Yeah, you can have like wedding cake and There's some bad candy. Ones. And, you We've know, had some we're going to have ones. like duck fat 
vodka or something. So there is a bacon vodka. And there is a truffle vodka. And the truffle vodka is beautiful. And I will say, if you're going to have a flavored rum, Deep Eddy is, is the way to go. We're getting completely off yeah. topic. No, no. Um, but for for the rums that Deep Eddy makes, especially that ruby red Texas grapefruit and the, the lemon, those mm-hmm. are so authentic. I think they don't have that kind of weighty, cloying sweetness. That, okay, can I ask one more intrusive question about rum? So when we go to wineries and we see the giant tanks, and they're all different kinds of tanks, steel and whatever, Mm -hmm. some of them are wood, but they're very large concrete. Um, Do they do rum in giant vats like that too? Yeah, yeah. And and, um, we're going to talk a little bit about Patron in a minute because I I was just down there and saw kind of their production, which is actually on a smaller scale. The only rum distillery I've been to was Brugal, which we talked about a couple weeks ago on the show, which we love. Yes. Um, and and it's actually their their tanks are are massive, but then when you age it, the the barrel size is usually relatively traditional, very similar to to a wine barrel. Hmm. So you can have four hundred liters, you can have two hundred fifty liters, um, but but not you know usually huge yeah. well, wooden, wooden barrels for aging yeah. because they are all kind of aged at different. Um, so we have a we have a. Pretty good film. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna trash the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and we have really good rum. Yeah, isn't that good? I like that idea, and I do always like a good well aged rum. As you know, I've tra- I've had more rum since your trip to Brugal yes. than I've ever had rum in my life. When we come back on wine and film, and we like to call it Cogill wine and film, a perfect pairing. What happens when you put a pro wrestler, a beauty queen, and a teen heartthrob together? Well, it seems that you get a film called Baywatch, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Uh, We're going to toast a few Texas films in the holiday weekend in just a bit, but first... Can we have a conversation about a movie we saw together called Baywatch? If we have to. <laughs> yes, we do. So I, we have a couple friends that are constantly, you know, we, we read their tweets. And she, Dawn, just, <laughs> Baywatch is the greatest film. Dawn, no, don't tell me yes. this. <laughs> yeah, she just loved that film. And, and I understand that her and her husband go and they have a blast. So the Baywatch television series came out, I want to say, in 1999. And it ran through... Um, I mean, it ran for, I I, I want to say maybe 89 through 2001. Yeah, because there were like... 89 to 2001. They they turned over almost the entire cast because they started out and the cast wasn't as hot. And so they had to like send them off to, to, you know, like, let's go be a lifeguard in San Francisco or something. And of course, that was Hasselhoff, the original one. Right, but there was kind of, you remember there was like the the girl and the guy and they were just, yeah, so... Then they they brought in you know Pamela, Pamela Anderson, Anderson and and it be, just became all boobs and tiny bathing suits. Well, so we my my deal on these is that if you make a pretty bad television show, although popular, because popular and quality are two different things sometimes, and they don't always go together. But a lot of the TV shows that we watched in the 80s and the 90s, you look back on them, they were really they were pretty bad shows. But we didn't know <laughs> it. You're saying that Love Boat was bad. Yes, I'm saying You're Love saying Boat Fantasy was really bad. Fantasy Island was bad. Yes, and no. I'm saying, yes. And Falcon Crest. Yes, all those shows were pretty bad. <laughs> pretty bad show. Uh, but but popular. And oh. so and and popular and part of the culture. And so we all, you know, we make fun of it, but we don't 
we don't talk about those television series in the same breath that we talk about The Sopranos or Breaking Bad. But I will say, I have traveled yeah. all over this world, and when I tell people that I am from Dallas, yes. they always tell me how much they love JR. How much they love JR, and they want to go sit, sit go they to the do. house. They want to go to South Fork. My parents' first visit to Dallas years and years ago, I had to, my, I had to take a picture of my mom <laughs> laying on JR's bed. Oh, well. Oh, yeah. She just reclined right there nice. and said, snap my photo, son. And I, and I did. So, so along comes this movie with The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, who's yes. also a producer on the film. And you've got Zach Efron as a new recruit, but he's an Olympic gold medalist with lots of attitude. And then you've got all these girls, and then you've got a goofy guy <laughs> yeah. that's not really in shape. Because there's always a goofy guy. But the goofy guy that's not really in shape is going to probably solve a really big problem Absolutely. for him because he's got brains. <laughs> and there's a lot of lot of oogling, and it's a hard R. And the shock of the film for me, and I'm not, be, I'm not prude about movies at all, but the shock when you take kind of an innocent bathing suit TV series <laughs> from the 90s, yes. and you translate it into 2017, and you just R it out like crazy. Yeah. Like The language was pretty. They're dropping, pretty, they're dropping yeah. the F-bomb like so much. And yes. the F-bomb is one of the mild words in yes. the movie. And, and bodily functions and all this crazy yeah. stuff going on that it just kind of cheapened the whole thing. But it was already cheap. Yeah. And then, and then you add just a terrible, convoluted written film. Yes. That if The Rock was not in this, I could not watch. This I couldn't film watch it because I really I've become love a fan him. of yeah. Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. And and I know he knows what he's in. Yeah. And I, I bet hope it's he a, made a ton of money. I bet it's a huge hit. <laughs> yeah. I bet it's a huge hit in Europe. Yeah. And you well, have, and the whole production of it was. Chinese, Asian. It was there was it was financed. A, I think it's right. financed by Asian companies. Yes, yes. yeah. It so, which is, like. was also kind of an interesting, like, well, why? I know. <laughs> and then you have, and then you have an Indian actress who's very right. famous in it, who's the bad guy. She's the bad, the bad guy's guy. a woman. Yes, and uh, and she's, she's also on smuggler. Quantico. She's in Quantico, yeah, yeah, on ABC. But she's a very famous Indian actress. And what's interesting about the Indian Bollywood films are those are not risque movies. They're teeth movies, mm-hmm. but they don't. There's a lot of things they don't do in those movies. They're very family oriented and a lot of dancing. Mm-hmm. But but this is so hard R. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of embarrassed for the whole thing. And then Zach Efron, God bless him, he's got pecs. Are they airbrushed in this? Movie? I don't know. I think they're all working out. Batman had to just and The work Rock. Out you know, for... he's just bursting out of his own skin. Yes. And Zach's bursting out of his. His abs look bizarre. Yes. And the girls are hot, and they have and and. I felt like as we were watching this, I think I turned to you halfway through it, and I said, I feel like I'm watching a really long episode of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and it's, exa- it's an R-rated version of an Scooby-Doo. An R-rated version Rawr, of, of scooby Because they have shots where they kind of their heads pop up in the window, <laughs> and then their heads pop down. So they're solving a big mystery, <laughs> and she would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you, you know, meddling kids. <laughs> It's, it's a raunchy version of Scooby-Doo. It totally was so stupid. You, you know, you can like this all you want. I hope you have fun. I hope you go. Uh, please don't take little small children to this movie. And I'm just afraid a whole bunch of people are. I hope they find out yeah. early that you just, this is the kind of movie you want to warn people against mm-hmm. because it's really an inappropriate film for them. And once again, I love a hard R-rated film mm-hmm. if it's smart if and it's good. good. If it's if good. If it has good dialogue. Well, yeah. This, this has dialogue written on the back of gum rappers <laughs> this is written in a or nano cocktail napkins this is written in a it's a concept movie. i know exactly what they're doing it's a big money grab they're gonna i hope they all make a ton hope they had a blast making it i'm sure they did 
but oh my God, it's the leading contender right now for the worst film of 2017. I think that's I think it's it. the worst film I've seen all this year. Wow. Yeah, by far. Doesn't even, no, I don't think anything I can think of comes close because usually we have a lot of awful movies in February and March. Yeah. But we got a handful of pretty good yeah. films. Yeah. yeah so anyway, you, you told me as we were walking out that you'll never get that. Well, so the back. studio rep, I love this because <laughs> studio, studio reps are always interested because they want to know what you think of a movie after you see it. And, and if you've been writing as a film critic for a while, you get asked this after every movie. What'd you think? What'd you think, Mr. Cogill? Thank you for calling me Mr. Koga, but oh my God, that was god awful. That was dreadful. dreadful yes. What a mess. Just oh, my quote would be dreadful. dreadful. They much dreadful. That's my quote in Gary the, That's my quote in the Dallas Morning News and the New York Times. So can we take this to a higher level? Is it possible? Yes. So I had this great idea for what I thought my pairing was going to be because I assumed. Baywatch was going to be in California because that's where the original Baywatch was. And I all assumed it's a big Malibu movie. They're in, right. they're in like southern Florida somewhere looking like it, they're in Miami, but they didn't call it well, Miami. Well, I turned to you early on in the movie and said, I think, I don't think Florida? they're in California because the ocean's on the other side. <laughs> You're so cute. I think the ocean's got to be on a certain side. Yeah. It's either on the left or the right. <laughs> it's pretty. Okay. <laughs> um, and I did, you brought up Malibu. I, I would have loved to have paired with wines from Malibu because Malibu is kind of a a, rec- a, a, a newer ABA in mm-hmm. Southern California. Um, I, I didn't know. I didn't even know. They there are, hand, you know, it's a, there aren't a lot of wineries. Dolan is one that, that we've had a few of their wines and really enjoyed them. Dolan's good. Um, but, but it's, it's still growing. It's tiny, but you know, you just have to imagine all those people with all their, all the beautiful people living in their beautiful homes. Why not yeah. have a few vines outside? And, Why not? You know, just go from there. But instead, let's elevate this film with a really, really good tequila. Yes! And not one that you want to shoot, though I could have used a shot of tequila after this, um, but one that you actually like to sip. and During. And add to various cocktails and all of that. So Patron is really, I think, the perfect one. And Patron was really one of the first kind of premium tequilas out there. You, you, we've had tequilas certainly been been made in, in the Jalisco region of, of Mexico near Guadalajara, about an hour and a half outside of Guadalajara um, for, for decades. But... It was kind of an, and I'm sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a, a bad name just because I think every, every person had their Cuer- Jose Cuervo experience, right, and right. and it, their their introductory tequilas are are not my favorite. Right. Um, I had those bad experiences. Well, you drank a lot of white Zinfandel back. <laughs> well, in the day. we all, yes, we all, we all did. did. Come on, yeah. we all did. But um, when when Patron started, they kind of put themselves on the map as this. As, as following traditional methods as well as as kind of using modern techniques to create a a premium brand that like I said kind of celebrates the the history of tequila as well as as just the process and and one of the in, in visiting their hacienda which um, is where their distillery is and and kind of getting to know some of the people there just the time that it takes to actually produce a a premium tequila is is so impressive and and the dedication that they have to the quality of this product um, we actually had a chance to go out to the agave field. So all of their tequilas are made from 100% Weber Blue agave in the highlands of, of 
Jalisco, which is also their lowlands and highlands, and the highlands is really the ideal place for for growing premium agave plants because you have a higher elevation. So that means that you basically have very warm days that will get these these agave plants very very ripe and and get that the pina, which is actually the heart of the agave, um, get it nice and juicy and very sweet because you need the the fruit to be very sweet. But then it's cool at night, so it actually um, kind of drops that temperature, kind of stops the 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 growth almost, but just lets the the fruit rest or the agave rest, so that you can actually have a very extens- extended growing period because you actually won't harvest an agave plant for between six to seven years. Six th- those big. Sp- Bindly things yes, grow have, six to seven you have, years. You should, and that's yeah. kind of one of the key characteristics, the fact that Patron waits for, for the agave to reach, I want to say it's 28 bricks, which is about 21% mm-hmm. or 23% alcohol. Um, so it's very, very sweet. And this that's what you want. You want to have this very fibrous pina to, to have such a nice sweetness because that will then translate into a very, very both um, flavorful tequila as well as one that'll hit the alcohol level that you need it to. When you say pina, P-I-N-A? Yes. And so how big are the pinas? Because that's the core of it. I'm trying to think of if you take the core of a pineapple right, it's and a, take the spiny skin off. Well, it's actually because if you take a pineapple and just remove the skin, right. that's the pina. So right. it's not just the core, it's the whole fruit. Right. Okay, it's the whole fruit. But yes. how, so a pineapple, we know how big it is. Yes, well, one pina is the equivalent, it can make an entire case of tequila. Wow. So they're huge. It's, it's, and substantial. I mean, it's, it's like it, 60, 80 pounds. Yeah. And I would, I, I up to, like 150 pounds. Like my lord, they're, they're huge. And and the nice thing also I think about about this region and what why Jalisco is such the the perfect place to to grow agave plants is because of this kind of consistent temperature and the time that it takes to grow. They can actually harvest the agave all year, so it's kind of constantly working. They're constantly in production. Wow. Um, no fewer than 60 hands touch a, every single um, bottle of of Patron tequila, which was also something that I really love. They have such a, a dedication to the the quality from from har- ever, all of the agave plants are hand harvested. The the work that's done inside the distillery is all done by hand. The every cork, it's every bottle of tequila is is corked. It doesn't have a cap. It has a cork on it. That's all done by hand. By hand, not a they're, machine. They're labeled. They're um, there's each bottle is signed. Every single um, every single step is very artisanal, and that's both to make sure that the inspection and the quality of each and every bottle that is actually sent out for distribution is perfect. But they're also employing so many people within their the local village, as well as people that come in from Guadalajara and the surrounding areas. So it's as much kind of their commitment to to the sustainability of of product as well as the sustainability of their people which I just you know I think that it's so important to to the point that over 400 people work their their bottling line and they're you know they seemed happy everybody seemed really yeah you, you have know. this image of you know you you hope it's not a you know we're this big employer and we're 
because they do. I mean, their their production is certainly they make collaborative. A, they make a lot of tequila, but it's also it is it's and their commitment to giving back. They have a huge garden. They've they've figured out how to compost the um, the agave plants after they've been roasted and and the juice has been distracted. They have they have created kind of a composting so that they can take that that compost and put it back into the agave fields that they share with all of their all of their growers. Yeah. Um, they have a huge garden that they they use to both feed the people. They have a lunch they they feed their their workers lunch every day and the the local hacienda, the the La Casona, their kind of little house on the property that they have guests stay in where we stayed. And then they also give back to the community if they have any extra. So it was just I think a, that's remarkable. It's really lovely. So they and they kind of have their classic line that that we kind of have all always seen in their um the silver, the Reposado, as well as the Añejo. And then they have the Roca Patron, which we actually um, paired with Logan a couple weeks so ago on the show. So that's a little more expensive, It's a little bit quality. more expensive, but it's also made completely in the Tohana um, method, which is the ancient method of rolling a, a two-ton volcanic stone over the agave plants to kind of press the juice out and extract so basically to extract all that juice to See, I, like, I think of it. Roman times and they've got like 30 guys in uh, tunics I mean it had to be pushing I think, that stone I think how they used to do it was with donkeys but and now that walking that around is, in a circle they walk around in a circle and now they do actually have a machine that does it but but, but that stone pushes it but it's fascinating it. exactly wow. it's in very very hand, I just appreciate how hands on and, and really artisanal all, all of the do you have a favorite sip of Patron well, I, I'm actually, they have a new product that it's not available in the U.S. yet, and I am, am antsy for it to get here, is that they've started doing a sherry cask aged. Um, so if you like, say, a sherry cask aged, cask aged scotch, this will be the tequila for you. It's so smooth. It's so it's so easy. Dangerous. I had it, um, I had it both just completely neat, and then I... I had it uh, another time and said, oh, just throw an ice cube in there. And then I was so angry that I did because it was so perfect, just completely neat, nothing in it, just a perfect sip. It was lovely. It was wow. it was really, really cool. It was really, it was really fun. You know what's great about being married to you? You come back from tequila land. <laughs> anyway, we hey, can we talk about an upcoming event coming up? Absolutely. We've got a couple things coming up. Uh, we're in Waxahachie, the great city of Waxahachie, which is probably about 30 minutes south of Dallas. And uh, what's interesting about Waxahachie is it's kind of the film capital of North Texas. They made Places in the Heart there. Bonnie and Clyde was shot in and around there, of course, in and around Dallas. They've done a lot of films over the years there. Um, and we're doing this uh, wine and film in Waxahachie. Texas event. wine Texas and wine film. and film. Yeah. And it's on Saturday, June 3rd. And if you're in the Waxahachie area, you want to get a ticket for this because we're just going to hang out with you all night. We're going to do what this podcast does. Exactly. We're talk but through, you get to drink the wine. But you get to drink the wine and meet Haley. See, <laughs> me, meeting me is nothing. Meeting <laughs> Haley is everything. Because she knows her stuff. And, and of course, there's a lot of... I want to say not just Texas-made wine, but Texas-inspired wine, because a lot of winemakers make their wine elsewhere, but they're from Texas. They're from Texas, exactly. So we'll have both a few Texas wines as well as wines just with de- great Texas connections. Yeah, I got to talk about Bernie. Yeah. Terms of endearment. Can't all, wait. All that good stuff. Can't wait. Uh, the tickets are available also on Crossroads of TXFF. That's crossroadsoftxff.com. 
and it's on e, uh, the Ebright or what is that called? What, what, help me out on the internet. <laughs> we'll have a link. We'll have a link on our Eventbrite Facebook. Or yes, like we'll that. have a link on our Facebook page. Good. In fact, there's one there right now. Yeah. Um, also, just one a few wines. We know it's Memorial Day weekend. Um, it was also National Wine Day and National Chardonnay Day. Um, this past week. So, lots of good reasons to drink wine like you ever need one. Uh, so, if you need a few kind of suggestions for what to sip on, obviously, great Chardonnays, Patson Hall, Jordan, Cake Bread, Flora Springs, um, Shahalem does a great one, Stoller. We've talked about many yes. of these on the shows. But we also know it's going to be 97 degrees <laughs> this weekend. I love, love Texas summers. Um, and I like a good Sauvignon Blanc. Flora Springs Soliloquy Vineyard Sauvignon Blanc, that's one of my most favorite Sauvignon Blanc wines. I love that. Um, we've talked about Quivera before. We had that wine, the Sauvignon Blanc, at the Passport to Dry Creek event. Really, really great Really wine. good stuff. We also love a great Albarino, crisp, light, refreshing white wine. Martin Kodak's is a great one. Um, also, some of the wines from Alto Adige. We've talked about those several times on the show's. Uh, a Kerner or a Gewurztraminer, a Bizzina di Novicella is one of my favorites. Tiffin Bruno, Pino Grigio, Elena Balch celebrated her many times. But I might be grilling. I know. I well, could be grilling. And I love that because I think that that there are, it's, it is going to be hot, but we still love good red wine in Texas. Um, and if you are going to have kind of low and slow, if you've got brisket, if you've got ribs, if you've got maybe a pork shoulder or something like that, I would do a peppery, really, really spicy Zinfandel, especially some of the great ones we had at the Passport um, to Dry Creek event. We really found some some incredible wines. Lots of good ones. Like like Pedroncelli and um, Dutra Crossing yes. and Quiveras and um, Spragia. I've always loved the wines from Spragia. I also, if you've got maybe pork, then I would do a Rhone blend, like a Grenache Syrah Mouvedre, if you've got the pork shoulder or ribs, something like that, just because Syrah gives you some of that kind of spicy, meaty bacon fat note, along with the peppery um, and, and certainly some of the earthier, fruity notes. Uh, Austin Hope from Paso's one. A great, just even a coat Cote, or a, a Cote Rhone is is a perfect one, really inexpensive as well. Steaks, go go nap a cab and call it a day. It's nice and easy. Cabin slab. Cabin a slab. You know, we, we have so many great ones that we love. La Jota, Ladera, Cade, Duckhorn, Cake Bread. <laughs> I mean, they're just so many great ones. Our lives are great. We love a good, we love a, a, a good cabin. Let's start drink. with a white and finish with a red. That's a that's a good night, I think. And I it's do a perfect too. way to celebrate. So um so yeah, I yeah. think it's it's a it's a, a good good reason to open a good bottle this weekend. Next week on Cogill Wine and Film a Perfect Parent, it's all about Wonder Woman, starring Chris Pine and Gal Gadot. And it's about time we explored in detail a female from the Justice League. <laughs> My sights are kind of good on this. I'm excited. I hope it's good. I hope it's great. Well, I, I hope it's I, better than anything we've seen lately. I can't wait to pair with that film, and I do. I hope it's great. But for more on any of the films, spirits, and a few of the wines we talked about this week, please check out our Facebook page and our blog on Cogill Consulting. And we'll have a link, as I said, to our event in Waxahachie. Be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill and to see what we're drinking now. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked. And happy, happy anniversary. anniversary. Gary and I had um, celebrated our anniversary earlier this week. So happy, happy anniversary, anniversary, my love.
That's what a kiss sounds like at my house. <laughs> With that, I'm Gary Cogill, and as usual, I'm looking for the next great kiss and film. <laughs> and I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. And a kiss. Join us next time on Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.